when we started out with Plenty Waka, we wanted to give people different ways of moving within cities and across cities. But very quickly, we started growing fast and we found the opportunity to do same in other markets, to replicate our model in those markets. As we looked across Africa and started looking at the options to do this in other markets, we noticed that the word Waka also meant other things away from movement. And it was going to require us doing a lot of explanations and, and trying to manage consumer behavior or consumer perception of the brand. Hello, and welcome to the Experience Pod. My name is Chiweze Ihebuzo. The Experience Pod is a 30-minute one-on-one interviewer-led podcast that discusses the adoption and utilization of relevant emerging technologies and trends for impact-oriented professionals, researchers, developers and students who demand realistic and thought-provoking perspectives on the opportunities and challenges presented by these phenomena in our unique environment. Rapid metropolitan growth in Nigeria, particularly in Lagos, has unfortunately created a lot of urban transportation challenges. In the past, most people in Lagos relied on thousands of minibuses or downfalls, as we like to call them, as well as kekes to get around. These limited options combined with widespread congestions made commuting for the average Lagosian slow, unreliable, and a very stressful endeavor. Things started changing a bit in 2008 when Lagos introduced BRTs, and according to 2017 World Bank report, BRTs successfully reduced journey times for over 200,000 commuters by 15 minutes. Now, with the democratization of technology, Ride hailing has also been a strong saving grace for the transport industry. However, this increased transport convenience has seen benefit in the taxi space. Trips is looking to change all of that. Now, Trips, previously known as Plenty Waka, is a ride hailing startup, setting itself apart from other ride hailing players by tapping into the mass transit space. The startup aims to tackle Nigeria's age-old mass transit problem on reliability and inconvenience by giving people the opportunity to hail buses around their schedule. And its core value proposition is really around providing convenience, security, and predictability for commuters. Now to talk a bit more about the mass transit space, ride hailing, and basically his thoughts around driving industry-wide disruption and innovation for the transportation space, I'd like to welcome co-founder and CEO of TRIPS, Mr. Kuma. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me here. I am excited to join you in your podcast. Fantastic, fantastic. We're happy to have you here. So we'll just get started very quickly. So to start, we usually ask our guests to begin, you know, with like a brief background of the organization and and what they do. So in one or two sentences, how would you describe what TRIPS does and what's distinct about your operations? Tell us briefly about that. All right, thanks a lot. So TRIPS is a bus hailing platform. We're building the largest shared mobility platform in Africa, but we've started out with Nigeria. Currently, with our expansion into Ghana, it's now maybe the largest shared mobility platform in West Africa. What we've decided to do is create a mobile app to give people a better experience of commuting within cities, across cities, and providing employees of organizations the option to get shared mobility platforms like minivans or buses in a very conducive and safe manner. In the last two years since we've started out our operations, we've moved over half a million people using our mobile app. And um, that cuts across providing in-city service that we refer to as daily trips in cities like Lagos, 
um, a bit of that in the city like Abuja. And just recently, we started out in Accra in Ghana, while providing also travel trips for people that want to move across cities. So you want to go from Lagos to Abuja, you want to go from Abuja to Sokoto, you're able to get on the travel trips side of our mobile app. And that allows you to select different bus options from uh, major bus operators like GUO or Libra or Apex. Just generally different bus operators that provide conducive service to customers. You can now do that on the mobile app and move between cities. So this has been our experience in the last two years. And we're truly excited about where we find ourselves. Because right now, I think we're leading the pack of individuals that are looking at creating solutions with the shared mobility style of having an impact on transportation generally. Wow. Wow, fantastic. Sounds like you guys are doing a whole lot. Just a quick one. I mean, we heard this the name change. I mean, we just thought we had to sort of plug this into the script. And uh, we wanted to just find out so what sort of led that transition from Plenty Waka. Because I think we're kind of attached to Plenty Waka to trips. What, what sort of inspired this change? I mean, it was an emotional process, if I'll put it in, in layman's words. I can imagine. Change the name, right? So, I mean, the word Waka means movement in many parts of Nigeria, but also in some parts of Nigeria, the word Waka means something else altogether, mm. right? When we started out with Plenty Waka, we wanted to give people different ways of moving within cities and across cities, but very quickly we started growing fast. And we found the opportunity to do same in other markets, to replicate our model in those markets. As we looked across Africa and started looking at the options to do this in other markets, we noticed that the word waka also meant other things away from movement. And it was going to require us doing a lot of explanations and trying to manage consumer behavior or consumer perception of the brand, Plenty Waka from a place where we had to educate them about what we were really doing with Plenty Waka. So what we decided to just do was to change it. And we looked within and said, hey, what is the most common thing that people do in Plenty Waka? It's taking trips, whether it's trips within cities or trips across countries. And so trips took us some time. We've been deliberating on it for about five months, but eventually we landed on the name trips and it kind of embodies everything that we want the new Plenty Waka to be. Now with trips, you're able to relate with trips, whether you're a Nigerian or you're an American or you're from the UK, you can understand what trips is doing. And it has that very cool feel to the name that makes it even more appealing to people generally. So that influenced the name change. And because we're going Pan-African with what we're doing in trips, the name change needed to happen quickly so that in our expansion plans, it's a lot more easier for us to handle that with us being at the size we are today than really going so big and then having to make a change later in the future. Fantastic. I, I like this a lot. So this sounds like this decision wasn't just a personal thing. It's not like somebody just woke up and just decided, hey, well, let's call it trips. It's actually more to speak to your expansion goals and being able to immediately communicate what you do just by exactly. mentioning your name to your customers. That, that's, exactly. that makes a whole lot of sense. And I think yeah. what you said around uh, Waka meaning different things, like we didn't actually consider that. I mean, I think we were just thinking from our own side and we just thought, yeah, let's keep it Nigerian. But I think what you've said around the meaning also very important as well. I mean, I'm sure we all know what Waka, <laughs> Waka means to the average Nigerian, you know, the different meanings and how it can be sort of misinterpreted. So that's a very yeah. um, interesting story. Thanks for that, Onyeka. We appreciate that cool. explanation.
Sure. So let's talk a bit more about, you know, what led to you believing that there was a market for this? Like what happened? I mean, I know obviously from your conga days or your out days, obviously you've been around the startup community for a while now, but I'm just wondering what made you sort of say, hmm, there's a market here and there's nobody doing anything. When was that aha moment? My aha moment was in 2009. I felt there were three sectors for me that if one was able to play in using technology, it will have tremendous impact on millions of people's lives. The three sectors for me I wanted to pay attention to were agriculture, people need to eat every day, transportation, people need to move around every day, and people needed where to stay on a daily basis. So I paid attention to these three sectors closely while working for other people's firms and trying to find how technology will have an impact in these three sectors. So it started out for me with agriculture, with farm crowdy. And then later on, um, I got heavily invested in uh, real estate with um, Rent Small Small. And so I continued to pay attention to the third sector being transportation, but I wanted to make sure I found the right mix for that. That's where it started for me. And today, I mean, 2019, I, I went out of the country to speak at an event and I was coming back and pretty much what happened was I, I had to get on um, different forms of transportation to make a meeting somewhere in Lagos. And then what happened was I saw that for me to make several meetings, I needed to take two bikes that day. I needed to take a boat ride that day. I needed to, a bus that day. Now of all of these things, the bus was the most shocking of it all. And that was because I found myself in a place that while I was dealing with a bus, I had to hold the door of the bus from falling off. And I was pretty scared about the experience. And I called my friend, Johnny, who is um, now co-founder in Trips. And he told me, see, there are over 9 million Nigerians in Lagos that have to use a bus on a daily basis. And that is the experience they go through. If you put on your white shirt and red tie, like I see you in your pictures looking like um, right now. <laughs> um, and you couldn't afford an Uber ride on a daily basis. And you didn't want to take bikes. You're stuck with using these buses. And some of these buses are what, 25, 30 years old buses. Mm. And that experience shocked me. And I said, hey, we have to find a way of changing this. And we pretty much started thinking through the idea, assembled the other two guys on the team, Afolabi and John Shaibu. And together we started building this concept of creating a solution that would give people better ways of commuting within cities. That was how it started for us. And we went live September 16, 2019. And so far it's been, it's been an exciting journey. We've had very great people on the team with us and we're very, very happy about the progress we've made. Fantastic. Thanks. It's interesting you've said something that actually applies to almost everyone who uses a bus, but I guess not all of us have actually gone that extra mile to actually do something about it. So it's great to hear that you're doing something about it. So just a message to all aspiring founders out there. If if you've not had to go for a meeting and if you've not had to enter two bikes, a boat and a bus, then maybe you should check where you're going for your meeting. <laughs> okay, nice yeah. one. Nice one. Okay, so let's get a bit, let's talk a bit more about your offering. So you currently offer intercity travel. And you also do intrastate travel, you know, and also obviously the movement of employees as well. So what have you noticed? Are there any differences in, in these markets or any patterns or any things that are sort of interesting that jump out right at you that you probably won't have noticed from the onset? How do these um, different segments of your markets play? For intracity, which is what we started out trips as, what we've noticed is that there's a huge demand of people that need that service. And for us, it's finding the ways of 
increasing our supply to provide people with more options for them to commute. We've noticed that no matter how much you spend on your fleet size, there's always a huge demand for people that want that service. So it's something that even with limited marketing, we're seeing a lot of traction for our efforts or daily trips because people want to go to work every morning and you have so Absolutely. many people moving on a day-to-day -day basis, whether they're going to work or going to the market or where they just end their daily bread. We move a lot in this part of the world. And then on the city to city side, which is what we call travel trips, which builds an aggregator for the different bus operators to start providing better customer service to customers, to start providing options to customers. Now a customer can go on our trips app and they're able to book for a seat, something that wasn't possible in the past. They're able to pay for the service of taking a bus ride from one city to the other in a seamless manner from the comfort of their homes. They're able to book up to seven days ahead of that trip and they get to the bus park. There's no cash exchange. It's all done digitally. It's all done virtually. They show their online ticket using the QR code and they get on that trip. They're able to provide customer feedback, rate their service of the bus operator and get this bus operator to step up their service if they are not doing well or get good commendation for the service they provide. They're able to compare the pricing for different bus operators offering the same service and can make an informed decision about who they want to experience that travel trip with. So I think it's in that light we've seen a lot of excitement. I think the last one is also how corporates now do not have to bother buying staff buses for, for their employees. They can now mm -hmm. rent their buses from trips and we offer that corporate trip service to their employees and the employees get um, comfortable rides across cities. So I think that experience just continues to open up different opportunities for us to find new ways of providing services to our customers. Wow. Wow. So that, this actually leads me nicely to my next question. So, I mean, obviously we've done some research and I hope these numbers are still relevant. So we noted that you have about 986 vehicles. So we just really want to understand how that works. Because now you've mentioned that you have a platform for the city to city travel where that sort of aggregates all transporters. So the question here is, do you own all of these 986 vehicles? What's the ownership structure? Uh, or are you partnering with anyone to do that? How does it work from an ownership of, of the asset perspective? Do you own everything or is it a shared ownership model? No, so it's typical of what you have in the shared mobility space. What we've done is we've provided the option for different stakeholders to bring their vehicles on our platform and up to 90% of the ticket cost for every purchase that happens wow, with their vehicle. Up to 90%? Did you just, yes. sorry, I just wanted to, wow. Up okay. to 90% commission, though, I mean, of the ticket cost. We keep 10% for our work done. Sure. And um, they make a decent return on investment. So you have one pool of people that bring vehicles on our platform to do this. And to that extent, you see them excited about the opportunity to make money on trips as a result of their vehicles riding on our platform. And then on the other hand, we have bus operators that are now bringing the fleet of vehicles that they have in their own pool on trips to now connect people to over 20 cities across Nigeria with travel trips. So you have bus operators like Libra that has over 200 vehicles in their fleet. They've onboarded that on our platform to open up the channel for people to order for 
city to city service or interstate service on the trips app connecting them to over i think libra has about six cities they connect people to GU has about 17 cities they connect people to so they just onboard their fleet on our platform and they get customers through us that is ideally the kind of relationship we have with bus operators or people that are investing on our platform Okay, so I mean, the next question is then how do you sort of ensure the quality? I mean, or what what has it been like from a quality of service perspective? So, do you get people obviously using your partners or you know using some of their services, and then maybe if they have a challenge, then they route that experience or that bad customer service back to trips? I don't know how you sort of avoid that or what you have in place to sort of guard against that sort of will I say customer service that is really not your fault um, it's actually maybe the fault of one of your service providers how do you vet and how do you assess that you know the quality of service being rendered is, is of the highest standard so what we do is we get a lot of customer feedback once a customer is getting on a trip with they have different tools that they can use to send feedback to us whether it's the customer service form on the app or just rating the ride or just mm. calling our phone lines to give us feedback about what the experience was like using trips. So from the daily trips level, we get this feedback, we can act on it within 24 hours, take the necessary actions to make sure if it's a good experience, more people experience that. If it's a challenging experience, we make the necessary changes to make sure that people do not experience that any longer. From the travel trips side, we're able to provide feedback. And this has been something that has excited a lot of the bus operators we've onboarded on our platform. They get feedback from our customers that have used this, their service on our platform and they're able to make adjustments. They're able to make changes. And they know this, that if they do not make changes, we've had bus operators that we've had to turn off on our app mm. because consistently we've had very bad reviews about their service. So that way we create that check and balance and we make these bus operators understand how to improve on their services on their services as a result of the customer engagement that happens on our app. Wow, very good. So apart from even solving the problem of mobility, you're also improving the service. Well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah. So obviously with COVID having an impact on movement and things like that, just very quickly did I mean, what was the impact for trips? And how did you guys sort of maneuver that period? I mean, I know we're still in third wave in quotes, but people are sort of moving around more a bit freely. But I'm talking about, you know, the, during the heart of lockdown when there was pretty much no movement. Um, just curious yeah. to know how you guys sort of maintained the uh, top of mind and awareness for your for your users. So it was a very difficult time for our business. I'll be very frank with you. We're just six months old into it. We felt we're on a rocket ship. Within the first six months, we had moved 100,000 people. We celebrated it on wow. the 16th of March. We felt like things were just about to take off. And then... On the 20th of March, four days after that, we had to shut down operations. And we hadn't raised any funding apart from the founders' uh, monies coming into the platform. So it became very difficult sustaining things over time. And um, I mean, we had to literally shut down operations to understand the scenario of things first before considering coming back into the market. Things got really hard. And so at some point, we took out the seats of the, some vehicles that we had and turn those vehicles into vehicles that should move food supplies. So whether it's mm. um, um, food items or medical supplies across the city to just earn some some revenue to keep keep people in the period. Yeah. Um, later on, we got got approval to start moving 50% capacity, 70% capacity after like three to five months. And um, as soon as we got that back on the road, 
we went out to raise funding so that we couldn't find ourselves in that situation again. Situation. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we did our pre-seed. And then luckily for us, towards the end of the year, we got into Techstars Toronto. Okay. And nice. going into Techstars allowed us to then pitch to more investors. And then just over a month ago, we were able to close our seed round for, we wanted to raise just about 800K. We ended up raising $1.3 million as a result of the interest we built with trips. So we just closed that round now. And for us, it's just continue to grow and scale and find more opportunities to deploy capital and open up opportunities for people to experience more uh, better transportation service. If, God forbid, there's another scenario like that that comes in the future, I think we're better prepared now as a business for it. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for that. Okay. So let's move on quickly. So according to Insights to Impact, Africa's, I mean, which is like Africa's digital platform that sort of has a database of all businesses and performance over a period of time. So they've said that obviously the ride hailing market is, is huge and it has obviously grown significantly. I think in 2014, we had just two ride hailing um, companies and by 2019, we had about 17. So that growth was quick, but a lot of startups are still facing or people operating in this space are facing challenges, domestic challenges around regulations permits, you know, and also things around security, bad road networks uh, and things like that. So how are you guys navigating all of this, especially the, the regulatory challenges? And, you know, you're also competing with the local sort of traditional, you know, typical downfall buses. I mean, how do you guys sort of position yourself with against them? And how do you sort of position yeah. yourself to respond to any sort of threat that might come from that side? Yeah, I think for all ride-hailing companies, I mean, even the big ones like Uber and Boat, they're still dealing with regulatory issues in different markets. I think it's once you bring disruption into a space that, that has over 100 years um, experience, uh, 100 years experience of doing it a certain way, and you want to disrupt that, you will face this kind of challenges. So I don't think it's unique to just businesses in Africa to deal with this or businesses in Nigeria to deal with this when it comes to regulation in um, the transportation space or right-hailing space specifically. I think it's something that all the players are dealing with. But for us, what we've learned is relationship matters. We've constantly kept a very good relationship with the stakeholders in the mm. transportation space, whether it's government or the unregistered regulator, or the, I mean, every angle that we need to deal with a stakeholder that we know is going to be responsible for the success of our business by allowing us to thrive and continue to grow, we've kept those relationships warm. We constantly provide updates. We're constantly keeping them abreast of our plans, way ahead of the moves we want to make. They are aware of some of these things we're doing. And now what we're seeing is that they are reciprocating with bringing us to the table to have oh, conversations wow. around how we craft out the difference. So when trip started out uh, in 2019, no one had created regulation for bus hailing platforms. We're the first platform that got that regulation in place. And they had to create that because of trips. Mm -hmm. Now we understood that there are maybe one or two other players that are now coming and trying to, they are going to maybe benefit from the work we've been able to do. We're happy to be trailblazers. We're happy to lead the pack. We're happy to go to places that others haven't gone to in order to open up. Because at the end of the day, it's making life better for the typical African that public transportation is the only way for them to move across cities. So we're happy to do that. And we deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think the key thing for us is relationships. Now, coming into things like security and bad roads, I mean, these are things that are constant. I mean, if one looks at the challenges we have to deal with and you'd say you're not going to create a solution because of that, then we won't do anything. I believe everybody have their own beats to play on. I'm creating solutions right now for people to 
to move from place to place, bus stop to bus stop, city to city. That's my own part to play with my team. I think it's somebody else's own part to play with taking on security challenges and somebody else's part to play with taking on the roads. But together, we all do our own part and we just make transportation better for people. I think that's the way I, I tend to see those challenges that present. But will it stop us from doing what we need to do? No. Fantastic. I think it's uh, you've said some very important things here. And I, I think from a PwC perspective, these also align with you know our mission, which is really around solving important problems and building trust. And we know that it's not one person can solve the problems alone. It's a collective effort. So effort from entrepreneurs, effort from even users of your service, effort from the government as, as well. So I, I think that's something that we thoroughly agree with you on. Okay, so, I mean, you sort of mentioned it already. We were going to bring it up, your recent seed raise. In fact, when, you know, I think by the time we reached out for the podcast, I, I don't think it was announced at that point. So when, when we then heard that you had raised um, about $1.3 million, we were like, wow, this is, this is perfect timing to talk to these guys. We also know that you sort of set up a lot of operations in Canada. You've also sort of entered Ghana by acquiring, you know, Starbus, which is also a mobility company in Ghana as well. We know that you've also partnered more recently with the GEO to, to help with sort of interstate transport. Now, my question is, what's really driving your sort of your choices or your decisions on expansion from a domestic and international perspective? What, how do you identify like, okay, yes, Ghana makes sense. Let's go into Ghana or actually Canada. Let's, let's go into Canada. I mean, I think that Canada one really took a lot of people aback because I'm like, hmm, okay. Not a lot of people would go into a developed market with a solution from a developing market, so to speak. But I mean, obviously you would know better, you know, having done the research and all that too. We just want to get a sense of what, what informs your strategy or your expansion decision. So yeah, good questions. And um, I appreciate those questions so I can explain a bit more. Our expansion plan is simple. We want to build the largest shared mobility platform in Africa. Africa has, what, 54 countries, right? We're currently operating out of Nigeria. We've currently operated out of Nigeria and Ghana. And very quickly, I think that's going to go into many other African countries. And there'll be more details on that as we move forward. Our expansion plan will see us either acquire businesses from the place where we acquire them to to expand into that region because of the technical know-how of the people in the team. If we find a very good team that has a good mix with, with our own team and we feel like we can easily do this together or we send our people into those places to go and start out businesses there based on the plan we have across the continent. What informed Canada? So when we got into Texas, Toronto, which is based in Canada, we decided to, to set up our headquarters there from a business development perspective. Aha, so it is your headquarters. I, I didn't read that wrongly. I thought I read it wrongly. <laughs> no, no. It's is it actually head your headquarters? Interesting. Yeah, so okay. Wow. From a business development perspective, because for investment um, conversations, over 80 to 90% of our investors are based in North America. It makes mm. just good sense for us to be close to them. Absolutely. Um, from Absolutely. a business development perspective. And then also from a technology perspective, some of the technical know how we were deploying on trips, a lot of it was coming from North America as well. And so for those two main reasons, we decided to set out our shop there and to allow us to continue to have access to more investors and technology to grow the business. But the goal is to build um, what we are building right now on the, on the African continent, focused on just expanding into other African regions in order to give them better solutions. Because we use buses more in Africa than almost any other. I think the only other place that they use buses a lot more in Asia. But we do use a lot of buses here in Africa. 
And it's not from a place of luxury. It's a place of need for an African mm -hmm. to use. So we just made so much sense to do this here. And we have a very good understanding of the market here. So our goals in growing our business into the future is one that will see us replicating what we've done in Nigeria, in Ghana, um, in other African countries across West and East Africa, and then South and Northern Africa. Fantastic. Okay, we're almost coming to an end now, just rounding up a few more questions to go. So you touched on security, and I think you made a valid point there around, you know, everybody has a role to play. And we know, obviously, the state of security right now could be better in the country. But what about in-passenger security? So, I mean, you hear all sorts of stories from like maybe, you know, certain ride-hailing companies, and you hear sometimes drivers are sort of abusive, drivers are violent. And even, you know, not just drivers, in some cases, the other way around. So you have passengers even abuse the drivers or, you know, some in some cases they don't want to pay or you know, they offer some sort of exchange, you know, rather than rather than making payment. Are, are these challenges that you, you guys also face? Or, and, and if you do, then what's the strategy around sort of dealing with them? And again, what's the worst case you had around these sort of issues? Has anyone sort of complained to some of the drivers or... Or is it more from the passenger side, people being unruly when they get on your on your vehicles? Okay, so yes, these challenges present themselves consistently on a day-to-day -day basis. You're dealing with people, real people, and everyone is influenced by their environment, by what they're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, and they can take that on anyone on, on the road. I mean, you've seen road <laughs> rage in Lagos, City like Exactly. Can you with this every day. But for us in trips, uh, I think we've been able to kind of hedge against some of the risk coming from this angle you've just pointed. One is we don't do cash payments. So if you're taking a trip with trips, you'll be paying through your mobile wallet. You'll be paying through the app. So there's no cash payment. So that space for fraud or fraudulent activities happening when it comes to cash, it's eliminated. The second thing is that when you order for a bus on trips, your seat is kept for you until you make the trip. But if you don't make the trip, there's a no-show fee. So Everyone that makes an order on the Trips app knows that they, they will have their seats kept for them. They, they see the kind of vehicle that they've ordered for. They see the name of the driver. They have contact wow. details of, of who is going to be. I mean, something we, we may be adding also is how they'll be able to have an idea of who is on the bus before they get on the bus. So that provides wow. not just predictability, but for some form of security for our riders on Trips. So that helps eliminate a lot of the risk you just mentioned. Also, the feedback system. Now... Yes, you can do all the things you want to do and provide all the security and do all the trainings for who we call heroes on our platform, being the drivers. But things may still go wrong. And so our feedback system allows our riders to rate their experience riding with the hero. It allows riders to also rate the experience riding in the vehicle. And so when we get this feedback, because all the vehicles are tracked and all the vehicles have numbers on them, and we're able to deal with the scenario immediately. And for instances where the driver or the hero has gone wrong, if we're able to um, investigate properly and find that it's something that requires some immediate action, if the, if the hero has to be taken off the system, then that will be the case. Also, we've had instances where riders have been unruly. In instances where they get very unruly, we found ways to deal with this, either managing the situation by engaging with the rider or just simply saving other riders and our heroes from experiences and with such riders. We're able to manage this. And that's where technology comes in. You can manage this very easily with technology. And uh, you asked for what's been the worst case scenario we've had. I mean, it was an instance where a, a, one of our heroes was accused that 
he collided with another driver on the road and um, she came out and she accused him that he was the one driving rough and then she started getting all physical with him and said wow. he did nothing he just stayed on in his position and the other riders were able to capture the moment and so when the thing got to the uh, security personnel and she said her own part of the story by the time the riders said their part they had clips of it on their phones it was able to just justify that she was actually at fault and he was able to get off the hook because it was a really serious scenario that day but we able to deal with this from the feedback from our riders and people around that were able to get feedback so we train our riders and our heroes to capture these things whether it's using their phones or using just having evidence to defend themselves so that has been maybe one of the worst times we've had dealing with moving people with trips Interesting. I mean, you've said some very interesting things here. What I've picked out is I like the fact that you call your drivers heroes. It's it's very empowering. I I really want to be with a hero. So I think that's very it's nice that you've done that. I think the what you said around being able to tell who is on the same bus with you. I think there's a lot of potential for that, especially from a tourism perspective. It would just be so cool. I mean, and it, it even aligns nicely with your name. You know, it's proper trips when I'm sort of I get a view of who I'm going to be going to a certain place with and we can even start building relationships before then and when we get on the bus it's a more enjoyable ride and I, I totally buy it and I totally like what you're doing so you guys should keep up the great work but I wanted to ask around diversification now so do you see yourself I mean you've talked about mobility and right now we're dealing with just road transportation alone now but do you see yourself moving into something else maybe what or I don't know we have these helicopter hailing apps nowadays so I, I don't know what does the future look like for trip with regards to diversification are you guys staying on land road transport or what do you have planned for now, for now trips for us is focused on buses and we want to stay focused on buses for a very long time I mean it doesn't stop us in the future from considering other options but right now it's just about buses and getting people or not just buses just vehicles to get people from bus stop to bus stop or get people from one city to the other city so and these vehicles will be four wheel vehicles for now mm-hmm. if we will consider two wheel vehicles or three wheel vehicles or speed boats and or going by air in the future i think that would be a long shot right now for us yeah. we want to focus on the ones we we want to focus on and just yeah. become a major player in this space with the kind of vehicles we are focused on so but it's exciting to see all the different other forms of um riding that is coming up and maybe in the future yes but right now our focus is just on four wheel vehicles i like that very very focused and um, get it right there maximize that level before you then sort of move on to the other areas. Very good. So let's now talk about affordability. So studies have shown that 40% of Nigerians, I know that you're a Pan-African country, but already you started from here. So let's permit me to use Nigeria as the base case. So studies show that 40% of Nigerians live below the poverty line. So affordability is a challenge, right? And again, in some cases, you know, a lot of the traditional downfall buses, you know, 100 bucks, uh, 50 naira, you know, maybe not 50 naira, 100 naira, 200 naira, 500, you can get to certain places. So how is trip sort of competing with those local players? Because, you know, a lot of people in Nigeria, yes, quality is nice, but we're really driven by price. How do you make sure that your prices are stay competitive? So for us, we've seen it, I mean, you're spot on on affordability being a key factor for customers making decisions about what service they will use. But what we've done is when we started out in trips, we were in between what you pay for with Uber and what you pay for with the regular public buses that are out there. 
And so we had that middle class people or working class individuals that found in trips the comfort and luxury that they could afford without necessarily being in one vehicle and then one driver taking you all over. You could afford a very decent vehicle that will take you from one bus stop to the other. And you could bring out your laptop to work with it without being scared of somebody stealing it from you. You can sleep in the bus or you can sleep in the vehicle. And then at your bus stop, you know that you're going to come off the bus with everything intact and you're with like minds. I mean, so that was where we started from. But what we've also seen is the opportunity to take our technology to provide better ways of all the other operators in the space to find the advantage of technology in dealing with predictability and dealing with managing their revenues properly. So with technology, these guys now can receive payments better. The fraudulent activities that happen with cash payments are gradually being eliminated for them. Predictability on the timing for when bus will arrive or when it's taking off or even allowing the customer to decide on the seat they want to have on the bus. These are things that are coming up as options for customers now with these other operators. So to them, we find ourselves as collaborators. We find ourselves as enablers, as against being competitors to these bus operators with the involvement of our technology in the mix. So I think that's how we've kind of positioned ourselves. And then looking at that pricing um, mix, I think that's where we find ourselves right now with with our customers. Okay, nicely, nicely done and nicely said. And you've sort of transitioned us nice to the final section of this interview where we'll be asking around emerging technologies. So like you rightly said, you know, your sort of service is driven or rides on a lot of tech. So whether it's payment, whether it's using the app to, you know, for a seamless experience to book your ride and things like that. Now we know that nowadays people are getting very impatient in terms of, especially, the, you know, digital natives and people who are sort of familiar with the level of service. Studies have even shown that 42% of users today will stop using a brand if they've had two bad experiences with them. So how do you, I mean, how do you guys innovate from a product perspective? I mean, obviously, considering your product is actually getting people from point A to point B, right? But then you still have to layer on there. Still, there, there's some technology elements that the, the user interfaces with before they can actually sort of consume your, pro, your product or your service. How do you sort of make sure that you're tying user experience from as early on as even maybe even booking it on the platform to being on the ride to post ride? How do you sort of bring all, the, all of that in from a user exper experience perspective? That's one. And the, the next question is, what sort of technologies do you guys use so, uh, to sort of drive your business? Whether it's from a user perspective, whether it's from a your driver security, vehicle security, are you guys making use of any emerging tech, maybe AI or IoT devices or anything like that? What are you guys using emerging technologies for at, at trips? Okay, so the first question, we have a product development team. And in fact, one of my co-founders leads the product development team in trips to show you how important that team is. A product development team works side by side with the technology team, works side by side with the marketing, because all our technology is built in-house. Now, with the product development team, they're able to take customer feedback from the customer service team, find new ways of improving the customer journey, find new ways of improving the customer experience while using trips, and are constantly keeping their ears to the ground for new technologies to deploy to continue to improve the service. Now, we... We're still far from being perfect, but we're way, way, way more advanced than we were when we started in September 2019. 
And constantly, the team is always looking for new ways to, to improve the service for customers based on feedback, based on what we hear. Now, when it comes to customers giving feedback and then after two experiences, they want to leave. I mean, earlier on, the question would have been, where would they leave to? So before okay. Troops came up, there was literally no other platform doing something similar. Now, maybe there are maybe one or two options. I don't know. But what they've experienced and what we've consistently gotten from them is when they give us this feedback, we improve the service immediately. By the next update of the app, most of our customers, they see their feedback being taken into consideration. I think the only thing that we've not successfully done for our customers is increasing the fleet size for daily trips to the level where we accommodate every customer that has come to trips in the past. So in every one customer we move, we have nine other people that we're not able to meet the demand for. And that's because wow. we consistently find ways of increasing our fleet. We have to consider find ways of getting more vehicles on the road, moving people. So I think that's the only thing. And that affects what wait time, that affects being able to get on the, on the vehicle within a shorter period. So I think that's the major one on a daily basis. That's what keeps me awake at night to find ways of solving. Coming into the second question around technologies we use. I mean, it's like your typical ride hailing platform. So you have lots of Google technologies we're using for mapping solutions. We have a lot of tracking um, services we're using to, to know where our vehicles are per time from a security perspective to an operational perspective. We have a lot of technologies we've had to build ourselves to do geotagging, to do geomapping. We understand the power of AI and the power of Internet of Things, but I understand the power only as much as I am able to use it for my technology today. And that mm. is what we use for our technology today. And the rest of it that we can't, we don't. From a payment side, we've partnered with several payment gateways to provide technologies for our customers to be able to easily credit their wallet in order to take the trips on our platform. So to this end, I mean, those are technologies we're currently using. Everything is handled by the team in-house. And yeah, we can find new ways of using the new ones that come up to improve the system and improve the service while improving on also what we already have at the moment. Wow. I, I, what I picked up from what you've said is that for every one person you, you guys pick up, there are nine people who are still left. Wow. So that just goes to show that there's a lot of potential for trips, really. If you look at it, see, we've in two years, we've moved half a million people. On a daily basis, there are nine million people moving in Lagos, but with buses. So we've not even scratched the surface. If you take all our numbers in the last two years, that is still, that's still less than 10% that move on a daily basis in a city like Lagos. You're not talking about even the entire country. So I think there's just massive opportunity, but it's a very difficult sector. I will tell you for free. I mean, I've seen many players that looked at trips in the early days. I felt like, hey, I can do this myself. They start out within one month, they're off. Within two months, they're off. It's a very difficult segment to focus on. But once you're able to um, toughen up, once you're able to get the right people on the team, the right people on the team is a major factor. And you're able to get that in place. Gradually, you take one challenge each day and deal with it and move to the next. Okay. I was actually going to ask, just to build on what you said, I'll ask what, so it's a tough market, but what gave you that edge to be able to succeed? But I hear you, what you're saying now is just having the right people. I guess that's very important in this type of market. Yeah, you so can have the all team, the budget, but if you don't have the team, then, you know, there's... There are going to be challenges, basically. The team, it requires a lot of funding. The team, 
and a lot of luck. You need God to just make sure that <laughs> you're, you're doing this at the right time. Because there are people that may have had this idea many years ago. If they had tried it, they would have been paying daily with so many other issues they've had, had to face. So I think there's that luck factor. There's the God factor. There's the team. And there's it needs a lot of money to be invested in just getting, even just looking at mapping out and using the technologies we need to use on a day-to-day basis. The reason why right-handing platform breathes a lot of money is because of how much you have to deploy on technology. Wow, thanks for that. Okay, so just some closing of questions now. What So what do you think is missing in the right-handing space? So what's missing that's preventing trips from achieving that perfect, you know, utopia of, okay, I guess you've kind of hinted towards it around maybe more vehicles and more funding. But apart from that, you know, looking specifically at Nigeria and our challenges that are sort of unique to us. What do you think is missing in this space that would help you sort of take your business from where it is now, you know, to where it can be in the future? So I think the the first two you mentioned are things that will constantly make any business successful. If you're able to tidy up your operational bit and you have huge supply, so if our supply meets demand, then that's perfect. And then you have funding in place to do things you need to do, then that's great. With these two things, you'll be able to get the right people on the team. You can afford to bring people in to do their own magic. You're able to build the right kind of culture as much as you want to dream about. You're able to explore new markets. You're able to try new things. You're able to break things and the company doesn't go down. Experimenting. So those first two things become those things that makes or breaks a business at the end of the day. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. I think it's the same for us. And just getting, I think the last thing I'll add to it is getting the right people on the team. Mm, mm, very important. Okay, so transport, trade, and commerce tend to grow economies, right? And obviously, so a lot of it is a lot of trade is driven by movement, whether we, you know, whether on a land, on air, waters. Do you think there's a role for trips to play with regards to helping? I don't know, from an economic perspective. Do you think? How do you think ride hailing or you know mass mass hailing business players like yourself can, you know, can contributes to this segment to our economy really to to development of our country it's all about logistics you're moving things you're either moving people or you're moving goods and services so i think for us in trips we focused on moving people from place to place and how we go about that and how we explore that in different markets is what excites us on a daily basis about creating solutions for people and so we will Focus on our own beat. I'm excited about the commerce space generally. I'm excited about what logistics can do with with the transfer of goods and services. But I want to focus on how people move. I'm more excited about learning from other players about how they've successfully moved people within cities and across cities, within countries and across countries. That is where I'm very excited about. I will continue to keep keep our minds on. Very good. Very good. So what does, what does that, what does, I mean, what does the future look like? Using the trips as a case study, what does the future of transport look like? Now, what would you like it to look like? I guess that's what I'm asking. And maybe let's speak specifically around Nigeria. You said you've had conversations with, I guess, some people at the regulatory level, some people, you know, even within the government framework. Are there any sort of interesting plans that would sort of help businesses like yourself to be a bit more, will I, will I say, to just function more efficiently? Because right now, things like security um, present a challenge amongst other things, road networks and things like that. So what is that desired future state for the Nigerian transport that you, industry that you think would, would elevate or would take you guys to the next next level? So I think what will excite us about the future of trips is where we see technology 
empowering transportation of people across cities and within cities. For us in Nigeria, we've not seen so much around technology. We don't even know how many people are moving from one city to the other on a daily basis with the different bus operators. We don't know how many people are using bus stops. I mean, we can have come up with estimates based on how many seats were filled and how many trips the vehicle made per day. But where technology comes into play with that, where internet of things, where artificial intelligence is able to give us data, and we're able to use the data to make better informed decisions around transportation generally, that is what will excite us. That is what will become a huge success for trips. And then a future where trips is understood across different markets and is used across different markets, where millions and millions of people find comfort in transportation through trips, that is what will excite us in the coming years. Fantastic. So what's one prediction you got wrong? It could be anything. What's one view you find that people don't normally agree with you on? You know, is it that Ghana Jalof is better than Nigerian Jalof? I mean, what's, <laughs> what, what prediction have you got wrong? And what's one view that you find people often disagree with you a lot on? Okay. So a prediction I've gotten wrong. Hmm. Anything, or it could be, it doesn't have to be business. <laughs> it could be anything. Well, first, the one about Ghanaian jollof and Nigerian jollof, I've had both now, and I didn't even know the difference. Of, I, I sincerely hey, didn't, can know I, can I imagine? <laughs> I didn't know the difference. So I was asking them consistently, if I tried it three times, and I kept on asking them, like, what's the difference? There was nothing. So why is the whole beef? We're all the same. We're the same. It's the same models that taught us how to cook the jollof. So I think... Uh, people should keep that somewhere. <laughs> but um, <laughs> my predictions, yeah, I thought that we would be at a stage where the VC world in Nigeria or in Africa will be a lot more advanced than this by now. So I was predicting in 2014, 2015, that in the next five years, we'll be at a stage where you would have VCs, you have tens and tens of VCs that had over $100 million in their fund to do deals locally in Nigeria. So I was saying that then because I was looking at what was happening with Jumi and Kunga at that time. And I was anticipating it to happen. So I got that wrong because we're not yet there. We're getting, but maybe in the next five years again. So what has happened to the likes of Flutterwave and Paystack and what has happened in the, to the likes of Jumia? I, I think it continues to make the space a lot more attractive. What has happened to several other startups in the space? I think it's making it more attractive, but we're still not there where you have... Including you trips, have, including trips. <laughs> oh, yeah, so trips, trips will actually benefit from all of this eventually. I was predicting it will happen faster, so our trips will already start benefiting. <laughs> so, but, I mean, I look forward to that happening. And then to the next question, you, you said you had a second question, which is around... So that, that was a prediction you got wrong, which you've said. What's one view you find that a lot of people don't agree with you on? A view people don't agree with me on. What do you, I mean, it could be amongst your co-founders or anybody. Like, what's that thing they're like, ah, I beg. Or, you know, it's, it's, you're on your own with this one. Or no, nobody's buying this. <laughs> so I think a view that people don't, well, it's eventually I make people agree on my views. But one of it is that we're all products of, well, products of what we've sown in the past. Mm -hmm. I tell people that everything everyone is doing today is as a result of what they planted yesterday. Mm. And every experience a person is getting today is as a result of what they had sown in the past. And I always believe that I am also a product of that. So not everyone agrees with that. People feel like things can change. I feel like, man, um, 
at the end of the day, I'm doing my bit today, sowing seeds for what I will reap tomorrow. And that's how I see life generally. And um, I think one last thing I'll say is the God factor. So not everyone feels like there's always, they feel like hard work. I feel like, man, you can be as hardworking as you can be if there's no God factor to it, where you find favor, you 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 will struggle. So I always believe that. And maybe not everyone will agree to me on that, but I mean, it's where I am. That's a very refreshing perspective. Thank you for that. Okay, yeah. so this is the last question. Now, we said disruption is interrelated. And in that respect, so the, the previous guest has asked you a question, but we want you to also ask a question to the next guest that's coming. So I'll take the previous guest, the question he asked, and he says, what impact do you think cryptocurrency will have on your business? But now considering obviously, you know, the CBN's position on crypto, and we know that they're moving towards an e-naira. So maybe we can tweak that question to say, what impact do you think, you know, e what yeah, impact think do you think that they would have on your business? I think digital currency and just cashless payment is the future. You would have more businesses embrace that. We're already trying to position ourselves in trips on how we make sure that when people are using e-Naira to pay, they can do that easily on trips. Today on trips already, you can't pay with cash. You can you can only pay with crediting your wallet and paying for our service. So we're already dear with them. We're already dear with uh, when it comes to digital currencies. I think with crypto for me, I, it was only a matter of time to get to a place where it's properly regulated, but it's one where I think people would start transacting with cryptocurrencies eventually. People, there are opportunists right now taking advantage of the irregularities in the system, but eventually it will become a, a mode of making payments in the future. And I think it's just going to be one of them. So yeah, to answer that question, I think it's the future. It's one we're embracing, not the crypto side, but in the digital currency or e-Naira or e-payments, I think it's something we embrace. We're already doing that. Okay. What would you like to ask the next guest? We don't know who that guest is. So anything, um, what would you like to get from the next person coming on the pod? I think it would be if this person had the opportunity to go back 10 years, what would they change about themselves if there's anything they would change about themselves? My own answer to that question is nothing. Well, we, it's been interesting to hear what other people think. That's interesting. Absolutely nothing. So even if I gave you, if I told you I'll give you 100 million if you, if you went back. <laughs> you will only change my, you only change my path. But mm. I think everything that happened in my past led me to where I am today. And that's why we're on this call. Totally. If something else had changed my past, it won't. So when I hear people, when people are asked that question and I hear their answers, usually I expect to hear nothing. But when I hear all the answers they give, I'm like, really? <laughs> so I, I mm. want to hear more people's answers. And I'll be listening to the next speaker to see what he says. I hope Fantastic. he's not with me first before you. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm sure. He, I'm sure he'll give you a very interesting answer. Whoever that person is. Okay. Thank All you right. so much for your time, Onyeka. We really appreciate your time. We really appreciate your insights, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. I mean, you know, being ex Conga and ex Wakana myself, it's always great to see somebody who has sort of been in the same corridors I have as I have yeah. doing big things and, you know, keep up the good work. And, and I'm you. sure Trips is just scratching the surface of a huge market. Well done. And yeah, have fun while you do it as All well. Right. Thanks a lot, Chiweza. I really appreciate okay. it. Thanks a lot for the time. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Bye. 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 Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.